We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Now joined by Matt Muehlbach, a.k.a. Purvis Short. Hello, Matt. How you doing, Mike? What's happening? Not too bad, dude. Not too bad. First of all, how good does it feel at basketball back? Oh, how nice was it to have basketball in September? Oh, red-blue game at the end of September. I mean, I we didn't even start practice, man, until October 15th when I was playing. Think about cool. that. I remember the same thing. Like the red blue game used to be like where you could see guys for the first time. And I remember back in the day, October 15th was uh, when you could get, when you could see, uh, you know, Mike Bibby play or when you could see somebody yep. for the first time. Now it's in September. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's great. I, you know, it, it probably takes away from the quality of the game just a little bit because they haven't really gotten going, but you know, it's just, it's, it's fun to get it going to get hoops going again. All right, so let's talk. Let's talk about this team, and let's see. Is that on my end? Hold on. There's a weird sound. Hmm. Just a second. Let's see if I. All right. Let's try that now. Okay. So what's weird about this team, though? And what is it? Can you hear that on your end? No. No. It's oh, maybe it's just maybe it's just me. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um. All right. Cool. I can deal with that. Um. One thing that I look at with this squad, though, Matt, is I'm looking at internal improvement here. 
And because you've got some new guys that are coming in, obviously, but let's talk about, um, I don't know what that is. Um, let's talk about uh, what's going on, though, with this team. And Umar Ballo, I want to start with because he yeah. looked like an absolute monster out there. Yeah, he did, man. How about the just the the footwork, um, you know, how good a shape he's in. That was that was what blew me away, I think. You know, thinking about him last year, I mean, he was the ultimate project. I didn't even really have him right. in my top ten for this for the Arizona team last year when they started the season. And because, um, you know, they came over from Gonzaga, had no real stats and, you know, it was a total project. And and I mean, lo and behold, he was I thought he was a six man of the year last year in the Pac-12. And I thought he looked good the other night, man. He looked really good physically and had that little spin move in the lane and um, left handed hook off the glass. Left, yeah. Right. I mean, he has skill. And how about that little runner he has like at the free throw line? He pulled that out against Washington State last year. And um, he's got some he's got some cool moves and and obviously he's a monster inside. I mean, he's, I came away thinking too with this team that with obviously with Umar Ballo, I think he's going to be the starter. I think it's hard to say that he won't be just because he's physically yeah. so far ahead than other guys. But you look at it though, Henry Visar, Azulis Tabellis, these are going to be guys that are going to be able to give you some real problems out there too. They're going to be able to beat some teams up for sure. Yeah, you know, in fact, we talked about it last year a lot, Mike. You know, I thought what was cool was because they had Coloco and Tubelas, the one-two punch. But, you know, then you would bring in Balo. And it's almost like a great NFL team, right, that brings in that second running back to just sort of pound people. And, you you know, you get beat up on the first guy or the first couple guys in Arizona's case. And then you bring in a third who's just as big. Actually, Balo was bigger than all of them. And um, so I think they could have the same thing this year because you could have, um, you know, Balo and Tubelis beating up on people for the first 10 minutes. And then you bring in the, you know, Henry Vesar kid, the, the freshman. We mm-hmm. saw, you know, the skill that he had and, and already seemed very comfortable in that game. That's the thing that stood out to me. Right. Now, looking around the rest of the conference, I think what's exciting about Arizona is that you've got Azulis Tabellas, we're going to get to in just a second, but him, Umar Ballo, and Henry Visar, I think those are the guys that you have to, are really going to be the ones that kind of give you that margin for error. Because when you got teams like UCLA that already have Jaime Jaquez, that already have Tiger Campbell, guys like that, um, the one thing they don't really have up front is a plethora of big men. And that's where I think Arizona's got to make their mark, and it starts with Azulis Tabellas. Let me ask you this. What are your expectations for Azulis this year, Matt? You know, I think the big thing, expectation for me is just consistency, right, to sort of take over the team. Um, You know, we saw – I thought in the middle of February, Mike, I thought he was in the running for Pac-12 Player of the Year. I mean, legitimately the way he was scoring, the way he was dominating games, I thought he was a a difference maker. He was that that one guy nobody could handle on the other team. And, you know, they started playing them differently. They started really laying off them. They were giving them that, that free throw. They were giving them anything outside of the free throw uh, line. And, and then they took away the left hand. And so, you know, he, he had an adjustment. It's like, it's like a pitcher, you know, knowing that a guy hits a, hits a lot of fastballs and they started throwing him the junk. And they really they changed defenses on him. So I think he's going to have to figure a way to keep him honest. Look, if he gets the ball in the low post – he's as good as anyone. If he gets the ball on the break, he's as good as anyone. It's in that half court away from the bucket. What's he going to do, right? How is he going to, um, and play? And then I think the big thing to me is just consistency because we saw it at times 
you know, and then he, he didn't have a great end to the season. We know that. Um, and I think sometimes he maybe relied on guys like like Matherin and right. Jalen and Coloco. And I think now he's got to kind of take a leadership role. Okay, so I've thought, though, that he needs to be the guy. He needs to be the best player on this team because I believe that he has the highest upside. We've loved yeah. Ballo. We're going to get to Kirk Risa. We're going to get to Pella Larson, all of those guys. But Azulis is the one player that I think needs to be 18 and 10 pretty much every single game out there or at least be that averages because – you know, he, he's blessed with – he's got good physical abilities. He's got good hands. He's got natural skills. And yeah. I, it's just up – it's up to him. He's got to be the best guy out there. Yeah, it's – it's to him, it's – I mean, for him, I think it's a mindset is what you just said. Right. He's got to decide, I'm the best player on this team, um, and I've got to show that every game. I've got to be, a as you said, an 18 and 10. We just talked – I just talked about a scoring. I want to see his rebounding too because right. he should easily – be eight nine or ten this year with his physical abilities um you know as, as strong as he is as big as he is and and if if he does that what that shows me is his mindset's there for every game you know every play he's not taking plays off he's not taking games off um he's there the whole way through yeah okay so when i watch this squad though Pella Larson's the other guy, too, because a lot of people are talking about, you know, Ben Matherin, Dalen Terry. Who are you yeah. going to get? Who's that next guy going to be? And Tommy Lloyd, I mean, you, you've talked with him off record before. Um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to talk with him once off record without saying anything. You can tell that he has a lot of faith, a lot of confidence in what Pella Larson can do, and he expects big things. Yeah, no question. I, I think Pella, you know, obviously – Coming over, well, he was the sixth man of the year, right? In the mm-hmm. 12 last year. And so coming over from Utah, um, had a super solid year last year. I mean, he was right. terrific off the bench on a very talented team. But, and I say that, but in, the, in a good way, you know, he's now got to be a starter. And I said this about Balo the other night doing the red-blue game. When you're a sixth man or a seventh man, you can come in, let the game come to you. If everything comes right, you have a good game. And if it doesn't, no one's going to say anything, right? You play good D, do the right thing, not make any mistakes. But I think he's got to have a different mindset this year, kind of like we just talked about with Tubelis. He's he's a starter. I mean, he's a guy that should be an all-Pac-12 player. I really liked him because he looked really bouncy in the first practice that I saw. Didn't he look a little more just fluid, a little bit more naturally athletic? Yeah, because he he can. It's funny you say that because he can look, he can look a little stiff at times, right? For sure. And um, he did look a lot more fluid when I saw him. His body looked really good, and I think a lot of that is playing, you know, against those against the, the when they had the European um, championships they had this summer that he played. He played some pros. Um, he played Luca, right? Didn't you? I think he went. He played Luca <laughs> against Luca. You you're the guy that told me about Luca, how good he was. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I don't probably watch as much NBA as you. And and I didn't when you said it, I was like, Well, let's be honest, Matt. You've got five full-time jobs, you've got a family, you've got daughters playing volleyball. I mean, you get an excuse for not being the nerd that I am watching late night NBA hoops. Well, well, Pella went up against Luca, let's put it that way. He didn't stop him. No, by the way, nobody stops Luca. Don't do that. No one stops that guy. Um, but Pella played against him, and I think Pella's confidence seems at a different level. Um, I, th- I look, I-, I believe he's a pro. I think you, Pella you believe was, he's an NBA player. I do. I believe okay. because I think because of his size, that's what that's what 
that's the distinction he has against a lot of players. He has size. He's a legit 6-6, super bouncy. Mm-hmm. He kind of reminds me of a guy I played with, Judd Bushler. You know, um, so so Matt Mulebach right now calling for a 13-year career, three NBA <laughs> titles out of Pella Larson as we speak. That's right. No, no expectations. No, no expectations there, Pella. Speak of expectations, because I want to get to expectations on this team, but first got to pay the bills. The DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, back the A. By the way, the movement is taking off, as we all know. It's on the cat trans going around the U of A as we speak. I was very giddy, and I sent Matt Mulebach. Nice, Mike. You're getting it going. I don't know. But uh, for the DraftKings Sportsbook app, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can get boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. That's code word PHNX at the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions to apply. We show for details and is always the official brew of PHNX Four Peaks Brewery. We have away game watch parties. Uncle Kev is going to be here for October 15th. Yes. Yeah, and he's going to be up there downtown. Four Peaks will be there. So, okay. what yeah. is it? What date is that? October 15th. If Matt Mulebach, Uncle Kev thinks very highly of Matt Mulebach. I love Uncle Kev, man. Uncle Kev's my guy. Glenn, Glenn Parker's buddy. I first met him through Glenn Parker. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys did an amazing job on that radio show. It was it, fun. Wasn't it? It, 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 it was a lot of fun for sure. It was a great time for sure. Um, all right. So let's talk about some of the wild cards on this team. I want to talk to you about Kerr Creesa. You played with a guy named Kerr that could shoot a little bit. I think you're still staying in contact with him from time to time. My question is this. What should we expect from Kerr from a three-point perspective? Because when I watch it from an outsider, the shot looks pure. He shoots yeah. it with confidence. It just doesn't go in at the rate that, you know, at least last year, that I think you, that you would think. What do you want to see percentage-wise from Kirk Creesa this year, Matt? You know, I think he's good enough to be around, a, you know, 39, 40 and mm-hmm. above percent three-point shooter. And uh, he didn't show, didn't show up the other night didn't make and didn't make his shots. But, um, you know, I think part of it, too, um, I mean, look, I don't read much into the red-blue. I just don't. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, Bo Mulebach would be the better <laughs> <Bo> Mulebach. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a guy. Not spelled Bo, the same, though. I think I told Brian Jeffries that we, we were sitting there the first year. I think it was Sean Miller's first year, and Momo Jones uh, was playing. Mm-hmm. And look, Momo was a really good college player. He was a good player. College player. He was a really good player. He got the team to the Elite Eight. He had a really good career. He went to a C, uh, where was it? CN? Iona. Iona, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he went to Iona, played really well there. I thought he was going to be the greatest player that ever lived after the Red Bull. Right, right, for sure. <laughs> he, looked, he looked incredible. But you just I, – I mean, especially when guys have even bad games, I don't think you read into it. Kerr didn't have a good game, shooting-wise at least. Um, I just yeah, like to look more at just how guys move, how what their fluid yeah. looks like, their confidence level, stuff like that. Yeah, how they play. But I expect him to be around 40%. I, You know, Mike, I'll tell you what's interesting with him is, is he going to get more twos this year? Mm-hmm. You know, he was around 83% three-point shots only last year. Right. And I think a guard today, you got to get more twos. You got to – I know he's worked on runners. I know he can get to the rim, and I think he's going to have to get to the rim. He's going to have to finish some some twos inside. You know, obviously um, get to the free throw line as a point guard at times. So, I don't know. I expect him to have a really good year this year. I mean, you know, 
Courtney Ramey said something to me the other day. Mm-hmm. I asked him why he chose Arizona, and he said it was it was it was Tommy Lloyd's belief in him, the confidence he had in him. And I'll tell you what, Lloyd has a lot of belief in Kerr, and they're both really confident guys. And so with that confidence, I expect him to be around forty. And one thing too that I think people need to understand about Tommy Lloyd is that Tommy Lloyd, while he does come off as kind of the happy-go-lucky off shucks guy, he knows what he's talking about, and he's no BS at the end of the day. I'll never forget that first press conference he had last year, where the first thing he said was, "I've been around good teams. I know what good teams look like. This is a good right. team." Keep in mind that there were no preseason top twenty-five expectations, and then when he went a step further and said, "I expect Christian Coloco to be in the running for the Defensive Player of the Year in the conference," yeah. that was really kind of a because you know you got to remember at that time Coloco was a guy that's playing 14, 15 minutes a game. Hands were questionable, and everything he came, everything Tommy Lloyd said came true. Totally, um, he's a, he's a really bright basketball guy. Mm-hmm. I was I was you know. I was at a Warriors game actually when the when U of A was in the Bay Area, and I was doing the I was doing the studio for the weekend. Mm-hmm. I ended up at the Warriors game. The, the U of A team was there, and after the game, I was in. I was we were up in the office with Steve Kerr and the Warriors brass and their coaching staff. <laughs> Must be nice. Must be nice. Remember the little cool. people, Matt. It was cool. It was it was fun. And you know, Tommy Tommy's so laid back, and like you just you alluded to, it. that's why I wanted to bring this up. You, he kind of comes off sometimes as an oh shucks guy, right? Mm-hmm. But it was like him and Steve started talking about hoops, like X's and O's, and it right. was it was like blah 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 blah. They were going a mile a minute, and not trying to outdo each other, but it right. was just, it was cool to hear like like two really elite and what's elite strategists, elite mm-hmm. X's and O's guys. Despite the fact that I think the skill that both of them have the best is the way they just communicate with people and the way they treat people and the way they bring joy and energy to the game and get guys to play better. But their, their X's and O's was really fun to hear. I always think about that with Steve Kerr, because first of all, and you and I have talked about this before, the one thing that I'm glad that Steve Kerr is now, I'm glad that people now understand the greatness of him as a coach, this fourth title. And it's absurd that this fourth title, I think proved to people, but um, The thing about Steve Kerr, and I was reading an article in Sports Illustrated about him about uh, this probably about six, seven years ago when he took over uh, the Warriors. And the first thing that it's uh, everybody said was he understood that he understood what he needed to do with the team. He also understood how everybody worked. Not everybody is a one size fit all person. You can't treat Draymond Green the same way you're going to treat Steph Curry. And that's just that's just the way that it is with basketball. I always use the uh, comparison to Bill Parcells. He was asked, how come you never yell at Lawrence Taylor, but you yell at Phil Sims? And he says, because Lawrence Taylor doesn't need to be yelled at, Phil Sims does. But, <laughs> right. but I think Tommy Lloyd and Steve right. Kerr get that to a T, like you were just talking about, how everybody's a little bit different. Yeah, it's amazing how the, it's it's a new style of coaching, honestly. Mm-hmm. And when I was playing in the 80s, you know, there. I don't know if there was almost anyone around that did that. I mean, it's right. just, and if they did, they didn't talk about it. But it was a lot more. You know, there were certainly strategists. You had guys like Lute Olson that was the most amazing strategist and mm-hmm. game planner and all those things. But it was almost like in that era, if you weren't winning or doing well, the the answer was just play harder, play tougher. Right. You know, play play with more. Mo- I mean, that was it. And and. I think Kerr and Lloyd are kind of that new era of coach that really recognizes you got to treat players differently, 
you know, some, I play with a guy, Sean Rooks, you know, since passed and he was, he was not good when you challenged him, you know, like he was, mm-hmm. he was a really sensitive guy. He was smart as can be, had the, right. one of the highest IQs on the team. And he was really good with, with just sort of like, you know, just positive reinforcement. And then he would, mm-hmm. he would go, you know, kill anybody for you. Right. Like, um, but I was, it was funny. Like I was kind of the opposite. I, I actually was great. Our boy, mm-hmm. Kevin O'Neill. Kevin KO, be- baby. KO used to, oh man, he used to challenge me every minute, not every day, every minute. And it was good for me. I actually responded to it. And there's guys like, you know, TJ McConnell was like that. Nick Johnson was like that, you know, not, but not, not everybody is. What was, what was Sean Elliott like in that regard? Was it just that he was just so much better than everybody else? Or what was, what was that yeah. like? He actually was, he kind of needed to be kicked a little bit uh-huh. in, the, in the butt. And Luke would do that. Um, and it was funny. My The story I always tell is, Lute would, Lute would uh, like a couple weeks before practice or before our first game or a week before he'd say, Hey, you know, who's ever leading the team in rebounds is going to start um, in the first game. Like, right. We, and we kept all those stats and, you know, and, and he would like turn to KO and go, is, is Luke really serious? Like, is he really going to do that? And KO's like, hell no, he's not going to do that. <laughs> You're right. going to start. But Lute would, Lute would, he would challenge Sean a little bit. And when Sean got mad, man, he was, he was already, I mean, as you know, he's like right. my favorite player of all time. Right, right. But when he got mad, man, he was really good. But he didn't he didn't really need it that often. He was just so talented that you just kind of left him alone for the most part. Would you say moving back to this year's team that I would be pretty surprised if his starting five for at least – actually, I think for the whole season will probably be Kirk Risa, Courtney Ramey, Pella Larson, and Julius Tabellas, and Umar Ballo? I think so, yeah. I, I would be surprised if it wasn't, right? right. I think those – those five are really solid. They're really good. And I feel like those other guys will be great off the bench. Guys like Cedric Henderson. Um, you know, I think Vasar we talked about mm-hmm. already. I think he'll be really good off the bench. No, that's that seems to me like that's one advantage they have. I mean, yeah, they lost a lot, but they have a really good core coming back. And one thing about Tommy Lloyd, too, is I think people need to trust his uh, evaluations overseas. We're going to get to that in just a second. But again, a couple of new sponsors here. Tap and Bottle, obviously. All the away games were there. Had a great showing last week. We'll be there October 15th. Downtown, Scott and Rebecca, come hang out with us. You can make fun of me. You can hang out with me. Just come on down there and hang out. And Mountain Mike's Pizza is now online as well right here. They're going to be up on Oracle. Stop by there before you come uh, to a tap and bottle. But uh, we'll be talking more about them as well. Uh, sponsors coming in left and right here, Matt. <laughs> but um, <laughs> now, Philip Borovichinen, um, yeah. um, when – when uh, he first was announced that it was going to be a player, I'll, I'll admit I was skeptical because mm-hmm. I'm reading he plays in a you know in a, one of the lower leagues there, and I'm looking and it kind of looks like that Zabruder film footage, some of it where it's like <laughs> you know it's like crackly and it's black and white, and you're shooting over a broomstick. Right. But that and you would know this a lot better than me. Just watching him from a distance, he looks a lot more physically put together than I expected him to be. He looks physically like he could play. Well, two things. One physically, but also his height. Like they mm-hmm. say he's six nine. I don't I didn't know that coming in or I wasn't sure, but they said he's six six nine, like a legit. And it's funny you mentioned his team because he was like the star of his team. Right. Whereas like some of those other guys coming, like Vasar played at an unbelievable program. Mm-hmm. He played at the I think it was Real Madrid, right? Right. Um in in, in Spain and 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 Philip was the star of his team. 
He was right. the he was everything. Like he was right. the Magic Johnson of his team, and he plays he plays with some flash. Like if you watch him, like he likes to make some flashy plays. He's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of Kirkisa in that respect. Um, but you're right. He he's he's a hard worker. They really like him a lot. Mm-hmm. It's funny you ask about Tommy because I asked Tommy a couple months ago. I said, you know, you're renowned for recruiting people overseas. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, you know, that's got to be hard to see how players translate because we've seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, last 20 years, the influx of European players. For sure. How do you know? How do you know Markkinen's going to be really good, but some other guys not? Right. And and I asked him, like, do you know now? And he goes, oh, yeah. He, he's like, it was super cool to hear the confidence. Right. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, I know now. Like, at the, at the beginning, I think it was hard for him or anyone. Um, but I think he's as good as anyone in the business at figuring out how that translates to, to this college game. Well, it, it's funny. And I don't think that I'm saying anything out of, out of turn here, but I remember he, he, a lot of people were down on Dylan Anderson, um, as his career went on in high school. Cause he started out as a top five, top 10 player in the class. And yeah. he went, he just kind of slid down the rankings and Lloyd said, he said, trust me, once we get him, once we get him yeah. in here, get him in the weight program, get him around where he's going to be. He's going to be just fine. And watching him out there, again, I don't expect him to be really a contributor this year, but you can tell a year or two down the road, Dylan Anderson is going to be a contributor. I totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. I really like his game. I do too. And and, it, and, and you're right. He's a guy, a big guy that you can tell is going to take a minute just mm-hmm. to kind of evolve into what he's going to be. But you can see things working as he plays. Like he knows where to be, knows how to do things. Um, he's he's better than I thought. I, I was with you because I'd kind of heard some stuff, right? But I liked him a lot. Um, saw him in practice last week, and then obviously in the red blue. I like his game. I think he's going to be a good player in a couple of years. I've always felt with big men that you can tell if you can tell early on not whether they're going to be good, but whether there's something to work with here. And this yeah. is no slight because he's made money playing overseas. He's fighting for his country. But I could tell very early on that Kirill, uh, Kirill was probably not going to have a lot to work with there. Just didn't, you know, a big body, seemed like yeah. a great guy. But, you know, Dylan Anderson, you could tell there's something to work with there. It looks like basketball just comes naturally to him. And I think that's something that's kind of unique to big men in that regard. It really is, yeah, and and it's why big men, especially eighties, nineties, redshirted all the time, right? Um, I mean, think about my Final Four team in '88. I just mentioned him a minute ago. Sean Rooks was a redshirt, and mm. he played twelve years in the league or thirteen or whatever. And he was a guy I could tell right away too, like physically and just like the game was way too fast for him the first year, right? But you could see the skill. And his, right. his hands, we always used to kind of laugh, make fun of him. <laughs> we call him the Wookiee hands. But he had such good hands and such the way he held the ball and stuff, his touch was un- unbelievable. And you knew the body just had to catch up. And I can see that with Dylan a lot. You know, like just – it's just – they're so big and, and it's just, you know, those guards have such an advantage because they sort of mature quicker. What do you expect out of Kylan Boswell this year? Obviously, he's coming off the foot. He's younger. My opinion is – Anything they get from him is gravy because I've always felt with the reclassifying next year to me, and we're going to get to what this year and next year's expectations in a minute. But yeah. I've felt that Eric, you get him in here this year, you get him rehabilitated, get him acclimated to the college game because next year I think is really the arrival date for when he's going to really be needed there at that lead guard position. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I'm with you. Although, I, I two things I saw him in practice the other day, he's really put together. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
I mean, it's crazy because he reclassified. So I'm like, well, you know, he's already a year younger than everybody. Right. And I mean, he he almost is like a bigger, stronger Jason Gardner at right. that age. You remember right. how like, like Rip Gardner was? As a For sure. Player. Comes in with a bulldog tattoo right. right there and he's just ripped. Yeah. He was ready, man. And right. I think. And 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 he kind of, he's a dog is what I've heard like mm -hmm. a dog in a good way like he's going to go after people on defense, and he's going to be physical, and I I think I think in a, in a long season Pac-12 season and and all that I think he's going to really help him assuming he's healthy I think he's I think he's only probably I don't know maybe a month away or something like that but I think he's going to really help him. All right, Daniel Tate, this is a pretty cool story. Matt wrote me a long letter in 1999 telling me how to deal with chronic fatigue syndrome. I will never forget the last thing he recommended was to listen to more Dave Matthews band. Good advice. That sounds like something. But Matt, you are one of the best uh, pushers of the Dave Matthews band out there. I, well, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I just missed him. He was in Phoenix two weeks ago, and I missed him. Well, um, weren't you, well, weren't you, uh, weren't you in another continent a couple weeks I was, I was, I, I was in Scotland playing golf in a couple of weeks. Ago, so <laughs> I just come back from that. Yeah. Dave Matthews is my, is my guy. That's, that's, uh, I've been trying to get my daughters uh, to listen to him and they just, they, they don't get it. They have no idea. It's one of those things though. Maybe by the time they're in their thirties, they're going to say, maybe dad didn't know what he was talking about right there. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is I got him going on all these eighties bands and like even seventies, they like Paul Simon and okay. people like that. So they, they have the music bug, but, um, yeah, for some reason, Dave Matthews is one of those guys like you hear people all the time say, you know, would he just play his songs like three or four minutes? I don't need to hear a 12 minute song, but right. that's that's the beauty of him. That's the beauty of Dave that's, Matthews. That's cool. That guy wrote in. That's I'm glad to hear he's it sounds yeah. like he's doing pretty good. That is very cool. Um, I look, What are your my expectations for this year's team? And, you know, you know this, but I don't. And again, I'd love to be wrong here. I got the yeah. A over my uh, left shoulder, so it's backing me literally right now. Literally backing you, right? Yes, it's literally backing me. Um, I feel that it's about a top fifteen to twenty-five team. I just, I, I think when you lose guys, and again, I'd love to be wrong here. Um, yeah. but when you lose a Ben Matherin, who was one of the handful of best players here the last fifteen years on the perimeter, when you lose a Coloco, the ultimate rim protector, Dalen Terry, that jack of all trades, yeah, it's unless you're a Duke or a Kentucky or a school where this just can just bring in whoever they want. It's hard to replace that. So again, I think you lost a ton. Again, I think they're going to be good. I just don't know that they have enough next level oomph right there for lack of a better term. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I would agree with you. I think 15 to 25, especially right now um, is about the right, you know, kind of spot for them. You know, to me, by the way, real quick, Atlanta Braves hat from my grandpa, not an Alabama hat. Oh, never. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry about that, Matt. I think the ceiling's higher, though. I think it's higher, and, and it depends on, you know, how – like, I think it's all those things we just talked about. How good is Kreese's shoot it? Right. You know, how good do Ramey and Kreese play together? Does Pella Larson become a, you know, late first-round, second-round draft pick? Um mm -hmm. Does Tavellus in that same mold become a late first, second round right. pick? And I think those are like four of the storylines that if those, you know, if all those things happen, they could move themselves up higher than the 15 to 25 we're talking about. But look, we saw it in the red blue and granted there's, I mean, there's it's, they just started practice three days before that. You can't expect really anything, but it was clunky, right? It was, mm -hmm. they lost, they lost a ton of talent and it doesn't just, it doesn't just replace itself in five minutes. 
Adama Ball, to me, is kind of the ultimate wild card here. I watched him a great deal during that. If you were to tell me that he was going to average four a game this year, okay. If you were yeah. going to tell me that he was going to average nine and a half, ten points a game, and kind yeah. of, and again, I'm not comparing him to it, but kind of go on that Michael Dickerson projectile where you go to four right. to 10 to 18, I could yeah. see that one as well, too. I don't really know what to expect from him. Yeah, I, you said it. I mean, I saw him in practice the other day, and he, he at times, I didn't really, you know, at times I didn't really know he was there. And then he makes a move that was maybe the best move of the whole practice. Right. And Jason, I was sitting next to Jason Gardner, and we look at each other like, damn, that's right. That's ridiculous what he just did. He was actually like, he was like two feet above the rim. It was one of those plays, and he didn't dunk it. Like, he could have easily and it's, it. I've always thought that's the most graceful way to dunk, too, right? where you just throw it down without touching it. Without even – well, he laid it in. He just yeah. kind of, like, finger-rolled it. Like, And by the time he was down, it was a foot above the rim. And at first of all, I was like, dude, I'm 6'2". I had, what, what a dunk – I think I had two dunks in my career. If I could dunk – like, Do you like have the footage of that? Because there is footage of it, they believe, of one dunk. I have footage of that one. That I've seen. I do have footage of one. I think I could probably find the second one. If you could find me the second one, I'd love to see it because I've got we, one. We called it a Gumby dunk because it was it was one of those where you you kind of dunk it and then you grab the rim after. <laughs> yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> just to accentuate that in case you didn't know, I did yeah, I just dunk it right now. <laughs> um, but I look around the Pac-12, though, and I think that I think there's three teams really that, that matter, to be honest with you here. Um, yeah. I, uh, I think it's Arizona, UCLA, and Oregon. And they yeah. each have interesting questions here. Um, Arizona, you obviously lost a lot of firepower, especially on the perimeter. Um, UCLA, you return Tiger Campbell. You return Hawkes. You return uh, – you bring in a couple five-star guys, but you essentially have one player that's over six seven, which I think, you know, plays well for Arizona. Uh, Oregon, on paper, is going to be huge. You're bringing in a top-five player. But as we saw last year – maybe those pieces just don't fit together because Oregon, every time you thought that Oregon was about to go on a run, they beat UCLA or something. They then get drubbed by Stanford or ASU. So all three of those teams have real questions, Matt. Yeah, no, I, I, I evaluate them the same as you in terms of the one, two, three. Um, I think Dane Altman's going to be interesting your guy because mm -hmm. he, they, they struggled last year, right? They did. He said more than I've ever seen them struggle at Oregon for the expectations and, um, you know, they I, I was surprised by it. So I, it feels like he's going to double down this year and be like, that's not going to happen again. He's too good a coach for that. And and I just think, yeah, UCLA is going to be interesting again. I You know, without uh, Johnny Juzang, who who's, you know, still had a really good year last year, but didn't have a great year. Right. But look, they got Hawkes and Campbell. That one two punch is mm -hmm. as good. As, it's the best one two in the in the in the conference. Without question, too. And Hawkes, too, if you were to ask me who would you put as the preseason Pac-10 or Pac-10, Pac-12 yep. player of the year, Jaime Hawkes would be that guy for me. And you might even put Campbell, too. Yes. I mean, I mean Campbell, Campbell, the last two years has been sniffing around at that, especially early on in the year. He just runs a team and, you know, incredible decision making. He shot the three really well last year. So you might even put them one, two. I'm with you. Like, so who's the who's the surprise of the conference, right? Um, well, see, I thought that USC would be that fourth team, yeah. just but talent wise, what's it? Right. Yeah, because I like I like Peterson. I like Peterson a great deal. Mm -hmm. I was never a big as big a fan as others of Boogie Ellis. I think he's just kind of okay. But their problem is they got. I don't know if you saw this or not, but they got the top twenty big man, the seven footer, who's out now with a chronic heart condition. Um, and I so, see that, huh? yeah, and that's generally what 
Andy Enfield has been able to do is have these long athletic guys there. I'm not sure what kind of coach he is, but I don't know who that third team is. Stanford, Stanford returns almost everyone. That's what I was just going to say with Stanford yeah. because when they got um, – who was the freshman last year? Um, uh, uh, kid out of Dallas or a kid yeah. out of Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah, McDonald's All-American. I just yeah. – his name just escaped me. But, yeah, yeah they he, he surprised me in a way coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was a chance he might even go pro or who knows. With the transfer portal, you never know with people. Right. So getting everybody back, and I know they got a couple good players coming in, they could be a surprise this year. Um Washington State lost some guys, and I love Kyle Smith. Right. Um, so I was, I was. I would have potentially said them. Um, I don't know. I was surprised by Washington State because I thought Washington State was going to be pretty good. I'm like you. I'm a Kyle Smith fan as well, and they just lost so many players that I don't really know what to expect. I think yeah. everybody always asks me, "What do you expect from ASU?" I think with ASU at this point, you kind of know what you're going to get. You'll probably be about twenty and fourteen probably about sixth in the conference. You might hover around the tournament. Um, I think that's just kind of where ASU's at. If, if Here's the thing with him is, is Bobby Hurley, I mean, he coaches with so much energy, mm-hmm. and they play so hard. If he gets the right pieces that fit. he's What are the right pieces for him? Well, and that yeah, that's a question. I, I think the right pieces for him are, I, you know, what I've really liked, when, when he's done really well is a three guard lineup. Mm-hmm. They play fast. They play really hard on defense. He lets them go on offense, but every time they've had that team, they haven't had the, you know, Michael Wright down low or right. the, uh, the know, Ike Diagu. Ike Di- well, yeah, to use their, to use their that one, right. Yeah. Ike Diagu or, or, you know, uh, Mario, uh, uh, Mario Bennett. Bennett, Bennett, or they just haven't had the one big that could right. rebound and score. Heck, even a Jeff Pendergraf type. Yeah, that's a good name. I like, yeah. I like that name. Yeah, I mean, I just so it's to me, it's it's finding that it, it's finding the sort of you know, I mean, not that you're gonna f- ever find this, but it's like the Draymond or the Dennis Rodman or that just the guy that can play the four or five guard bigs and rebound and run the floor. Bennett Davison, like Arizona, that's. If they can find that guy, then Hurley's system and the way he runs it and the way he gives them freedom, he gives those guys a ton of freedom and they love it. Right, for sure. And he, but he just, he asked them to play hard on the other end. And so he's gotten good players. It's just those pieces have to mesh. All right. I want to ask, before we sign off here, I want to get Matt's take on the unis because everybody, everybody wants to talk about the unis. But real quick, game time is the hottest new ticketing sports uh, thing going, going online. Here's the deal. You can get go on there and get tickets to sports concert shows. Maybe if you were looking to go to a Dave Matthews Band concert last second and you wanted to say something 60% off, if you're a procrastinator, you would go to Game Time. And so here's the deal. If you love PHNX and you love Game Time, the best way to support us is by buying tickets through the link in the description. Again, if you miss Dave Matthews, don't miss him again. Check it out when they when he comes back into Phoenix on Game Time. Um, unis, what do you think, Matt? Because everybody um, – I'm not as big into the uniform phenomenon as everybody else is. I personally love the nineties ones. If they were to ask me anything yeah. that Damon Stoudemire ever wore, I'm totally cool with rocking that. But what do you think about it? Going back with a little bit more of that 88 look. Well, let me say I'm with you. I'm not like a uniform guy. Right. Like, I mean, that's kind of Oregon's thing. Right. Um, and, and I've always been a, a shoe guy. Like right. I, I, I was always about shoes, you know, and like when I was growing up, it was cool to get the right shoes and mm-hmm. um, 
God, I remember those. I remember those Converse that Dr. J wore, and then the ones that Magic and Bird wore. Yeah. That was that was my original. I got the Converse were my original shoes in seventh grade. I remember my dad. We were a middle class family. You know, we never spent a lot of money on right. anything. And he bought me a seventy dollar pair of shoes when I think I was in eighth grade. That was like, he was basically telling me like. Dude, you better get a scholarship somewhere if I'm buying you these type of shoes for this kind of money. When did your dad know that you were really good at basketball and this could maybe take you somewhere? I've never asked you that, but I'm curious about that. I honestly, I, I think he thought I was always pretty good. But even like when I was a sophomore or junior, um, you know. Are you talking in high school? In high school, yeah. yeah I was I was playing at Bishop O'Dowd in Oakland, a, mm -hmm. a major, major program starting for them at the point guard position. But I was... I was never a big scorer, so I think people were probably, you know, not sure about me. And I went to two camps. I went to the Nike camp back in Princeton, New Jersey. I got invited to that. And he didn't really even know probably what it was. But when I went, like, I knew it was a big deal. Right. And the fall, the fall, like, two weeks later, I went to the UC Santa Barbara. It was called the, the uh, it was called the, I think it was the All-Star Camp or whatever. from the It was the West Coast All-Stars, basically, okay. Santa Barbara. And I call. I remember I called him from that camp. I think there were 250 people in it, and I said I made the all tournament team or the all camp team. Right. And uh, he said, "God, that's awesome! How many kids were in, are on it?" And I said, "I think there were 10." And it was, you know, there were 250 people yeah. that were the 10. And I think he was like, "Oh, damn, that's pretty good, right?" For sure. <laughs> but he was he was always you know he was always pretty. He he was not a parent that would hype me up. He was right. always more about you know. Like he he kept, he was a very even keel dad about it. He was great about it, but he was very even keel. All right, before we sign off here, Warriors this year. I've been watching a little of their preseason. I know yeah. you're all you've got a lot of connections on the Warriors. James Wiseman looks really good so far in the preseason. What do you expect? Are you calling a repeat? And do you have a maybe a bold prediction about Arizona football as well? If you want to pull I, it out there, I do. I, well, I'll start there. I, actually, I actually with the Warriors. Let me start with the Warriors. Hmm? I don't have a prediction with him because what they did and to go back about Kerr, I don't think enough people talked about the job Kerr did. Right. And my buddy, Bruce Frazier told me, he said, Matt, the way he talks to our team, no one has any idea how good it is. It's, it's, it's like on a brilliant level that no one gets. Right. And he, he was, we talked about this, I think the last, you know, our, our last podcast and it was, it was brilliant what he said. And he's like, people don't talk about the guy, you know, and right. rightly so they talk about Steph and all the players, but, I, I don't know what he's going to do because he's such a good communicator and he'll have a, he'll have a story for him. Just like Phil used to have last right. game and all that stuff. Right. He'll have it. He'll have a theme for him probably this year. And they'll be incredible because they have Steph. As long as Steph is healthy, right. right. They'll, they'll be in, in the mix. I have a bold prediction. I think Arizona football is, they're going to beat the USC Trojans in what? Three weeks. Is three weeks. Yep. I think I'm that's homecoming, right? Right. I think I believe like, it is. Yeah. Matt's yeah. back in the A in, heart, in a big way right there. Yeah. So what they have, what, Oregon this week? Yeah, you got Oregon this week. And then you've got, let me look up here. One thing I do want to say, and you know this too, even though you're, you're a basketball player or Arizona football generally beats a team that they shouldn't beat along they, they the way. So when, when, when people are saying that, you know, they don't have any chance against any of these teams that I don't really buy that. All right. I'm pulling the schedule up right now. Arizona, Oregon, then Arizona, Washington, then Arizona USC. And I think so the Arizona USC game is after so Arizona plays Oregon. I Washington. think Oregon does, and they could upset Oregon this week. I agree sure. with that. 
it absolutely could upset Oregon. I think the Washington game on the road is going to be a tough one. I agree. Uh, it seems like Arizona always struggles up there on the road. But then they have, they have a week off to prepare for USC and homecoming. And that game, as we know, look, I remember as a basketball player, like every game was the biggest game for Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, Arizona opponents. And that's going to be a game that is going to be the biggest game of the year for Arizona. And SC has a week off as well. Right. And it won't be as big for them. Let's just face it. They, they play bigger games. And by the way, the game before that, they play Utah. Mm-hmm. So, Which they could get beat up in that game because they of how Utah easily plays. easily get beat up. And you would say that the sort of like narrative would be, oh, they got beat up by Utah. They have a week off. They're going to come out, you know, hungry. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You know, right. I, I don't know. So I'll, I'll, I came away after you texted me that. It's funny because I was watching and then I watched the ASU USC game just on the little bit of the replay last yeah. night. And they didn't look unbeatable. I'll put it to you like yeah. that. It didn't look like one of those Pete yeah. Carroll teams. That's for sure. Well, Oregon State should have beat them. Mm-hmm, they, for just, sure. they just they threw. I think they threw the threw a couple of interceptions. Mm-hmm. Late. They had them on the ropes and had, you know should have beaten them. But uh, we'll see. I mean, it's 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 a long way away, and I'm I'm proud of what Jed Fish has done. I am too. And that staff. I mean, he he. <laughs> I mean, to use the old cliche, the the cupboard was beyond bare when he got here. And just think of it this way: How badly would this year's team beat last year's team? That just shows you the that's improvement. A great question. Yeah. I mean, that's what I go with people. And here's the yeah. thing: I know the defense is struggling, but offensively, they overhauled that thing in a big way, and it's impressive what he's been able to do in short time. Because again, I've always felt if you can get five wins, that is a huge, huge season because you would have inherited a team that lost twenty straight games. You go from one win to five, and maybe you try to get you know seven in year three. But either way, I'm with you. I'm I'm in on I'm in on the fishbowl for sure. Now you called the over under, and you had already you already got the over under. I did get the over under five weeks into it. DraftKings Sportsbook has the word PHNX there, Matt Mulebach. That's but, impressive, right? All right, Matt, as always, buddy, I can't thank you enough for hopping on. Uh, next time we hang out, drinks on me. Mike, fired up. We got to Let's go hang out with Kevy and, and watch but, a little football, Uncle Kevin. All right, dude. He would love nothing more than to see you, my man. All right, man. Take care. All right. He's Matt Mulebach. I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Mm-hmm.